Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Uh, welcome, everybody online. Thank you for being here and uh, for you in person. Is there, is there any? No, I guess we can. I'm just asking if we can dim these lights a little bit. It's just, just one, some days it just catches you the wrong way. So I'm going to step over here and, and somebody's going to tell me when I'm out of the screen, right? Ravi, you're going to yell at me? Good. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Hey, I, you know, it's, it's, it's cool being together on Christmas. Um, you know, Christmas is really kind of the prime, not, not just holiday, but prime celebration for the church. It's kind of where it all starts. It's the, you know, it's the big deal, right? Yeah. Right? Are you with me? Like, yep. Yeah, yep. come on, it's, yeah. it's the big deal. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's this one in Easter. Like, this is, we get two big deals a year, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, Christmas and Easter. Those are the ones we get. Oh, those are, those are all our, our holidays. Everybody else gets all the rest. You know, family day. Oh yeah, it's not ours. You know. <laughs> you know uh, you know, Labor Day, definitely not ours, you know. <laughs> but we get Christmas, and we get, we, get, uh, we get Easter. But, you know, I, I, I've been thinking lately about, you know, the whole thing behind Jesus coming to earth. And, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I've got this fairly vivid imagination. I think God speaks to us through our imagination a lot of times. But uh, I, I, I think about it. I think, you know, did, what if Jesus had said no? <laughs> you know, I don't know if we ever think about that. You know, like, you know, I mean, did Jesus have a choice? Kind of like he just kind of had to come, right? Like he was just required. Actually, no, he could have said no. Can you imagine with me? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if uh, if you can go there this morning, but you know, can you can you imagine the you know the annual planning meeting in heaven before all heaven and earth were created? They only happen every once in every three hundred sixty-five thousand human years. But the annual planning retreat, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all there, and the. Uh, you know, there's a few angels standing around getting ready to carry messages. You know, Gabriel, Michael, you know, they're all there. They're just ready to send off the messages if they need to. Uh, not that there's anybody to send any messages to yet. But they're having this discussion and, you know, they're thinking and thinking and, and they're talking together and they're playing, what are we going to do the next, you know, 365,000 years? <laughs> what are we going to do? And, and they come on and say, you know, we're going we're gonna to create a new creature. We're going to humans. We're going to create mankind, and they're going to be like us. They're going to reflect who we are. They're going to be like that, but not, like, not quite like the angels, but they're going to be a little different because we want them to reflect us in the fact that they, they're going to have the opportunity to make their own decisions. You can almost feel a little shudder go through heaven at that moment. And it's kind of like when your kids get old enough to get in a car and drive. And make their own decisions about whose friend, what friends they're going to hang out with. You know, they're good when they're two and three and four and five. You know, you send them off to preschool, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, now they come home with some ideas that you didn't give them. Yeah. <laughs> God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they're, and God the Son, they're talking and saying, we're going we're gonna to make humanity. We, we want, it's not that we need them, but we'd really love to have them around. These human beings. But we don't want them to have to be with us. Not Michael, you know, Gabriel, no offense to you guys, you kind of have to be here. But 
you know, what are, we want to make these human beings. We're going to start with one, and then we're going to let them kind of procreate. We're going we're gonna to let them develop their own thing. We're going to give them this whole amount of freedom. And right about that moment, God the Holy Spirit brings up a really important point. You realize they're going to make some really bad choices. <laughs> yeah, God the Father, yeah, you know, I had thought about that. I, I had, it had occurred to me, but we still have to do it because, you know, if they don't love us freely, it's really not love at all. If they don't get to decide, it's really no, not love at all. And they're continuing to have this conversation and say, well, we're, they're going to mess up and they're going to do wrong things and they're going to rebel against us. You know, we need to do something about that. And he said, well, what are we, what are we going to do? And they're talking and Jesus says, he says, you know, I, I think that we, we need to give them some guidelines. Jesus is the word. He says, I, I, we got to give them some guidelines. You know, we'll, we'll give them some ways so they know how to live life well. So that they're going to succeed in life. And if they follow these things, they're, they're going to they're gonna love us. <laughs> God, the Holy Spirit says, you know what? All that's going to do is make them feel worse every time they mess up. Every time they break one of the rules, every time they break one of the laws, they're going to feel guilty and they're going to go like, what's the point? It's going to drive them farther away. Jesus says, but they have to have a chance. We have to give them the opportunity to make the mistakes. We have to give them the opportunity to mess up. (laughs) You know, that was, I remember when our kids were going into teenage years. Everybody said teenage years are the worst? No, it's not. It's when they're adults. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple parents of adult children here that go, yes, that's true. Just, you know, I just want to encourage you with teenagers, it gets worse. <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, when, when, they, when they were teenagers and, you know, they started going out and, you know, and I, I remember when my kids were little, it was, to some degree it was easy because most of the time they did what you told them. Most of the time. And eventually they could be convinced to do what you told them if they didn't do it kind of naturally, you know, and I realize over the generations that way of convincing changes. Just saying. But over over that time, you know, watch my kids, and they were doing. But all of a sudden, I, I realized that as they got to be into their teenage years, I my responsibility for them changed. I couldn't just tell them what to do. I actually had, hopefully, had imparted some common sense. Hopefully, had had hopefully kind of given them some kind of parameters around which they could make good decisions. But now I had to let them make decisions. And kind of do my best to make sure the consequences were fairly minimal. Because they couldn't learn without making their own decisions. I don't know if you, but I, I, we occasionally you know, encounter somebody that's in their adult years and say, why do you do that? Well, it's just because that's what we do. That means they've never kind of worked it out for themselves. They've never discovered faith for themselves, they've never discovered the reality of living for God for themselves, or they've never really realized why I should or shouldn't do these things. And this whole period, as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're, they're talking, they're going to say, we, we have to give them 
their teenage years. It's almost like God said, here, in this time between when we create them and kind of when we get to this next stage, we have to give humanity some teenage years. I've always wondered about why the Old Testament is the way it is. I kind of come to the conclusion the Old Testament is sort of humanity's teenage years. They know the rules, but they're pushing every one of them. And they're reaping the consequences of every one of those broken rules. And eventually after the teenage years of mankind, as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are talking about that, and they see this, they see what's going to happen, they know what's going to happen. They're going to go through teenage years. They're going, to, they're going to have this whole experience of humanity where humanity's not, not relating to God, not wanting to follow God, except for a few. They're just struggling with this. Say, but we have to give them a better solution. In the book of Revelations, I know some of you have been saying, when's he going to get to the Bible? I'm here. <laughs> just so you know. In the book of Revelation, in chapter... 13 verse 8, it says, all, all, the last part of the verse, and it says, they are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belong to the Lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. It's a reference to Jesus dying on the cross, but the fact that it wasn't a reaction to what was going on, it was an intention of God before he created the earth. Before God created mankind, Jesus the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit were sitting in that planning meeting and said, you know, at some point in time we're going to let them run the course of trying to do it on their own because everybody has to have the chance to figure it out on their own. Otherwise, you can't make a free decision. But as they mess up, mess up, mess up, <laughs> there's going to be a point in time where we need to provide a better solution. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. At the exact right time, God said, now's the time. But before it ever started, he knew that was going to be the time. I love the fact that God thinks ahead. But you, but I, I, I wish I thought ahead as much as God does. I mean, I, I realize I can't see everything he sees. But there are some things I do see and I wish I would think ahead. Anybody here with me? You know what I mean? But God saw what would happen. God saw, and he said, you know, we're going to solve that problem before we start the process. We're going to send Jesus. And right at that moment, at that moment, you got to realize that they had foreseen everything that was going to happen. They knew how messed up humanity would get. They knew how we'd struggle so much to do those things and at that moment in time, they were sitting around saying, what will be the solution? How will we actually be able to resolve this? How will we be able to help humanity come back to the place where they can freely love us and where we can, they can fulfill the destiny we've created them for? And Jesus said, I have an idea. He said, I'll, I'll go down there. He said, I'll live with them. Right away, the Holy Spirit says, he says, you know they're not going to like you. Bringing the holiness of God into a fallen world, a world that's so trying to fight for their own superiority and trying to work their things out, they're not going to like you. 
Jesus says, I know, but, I, but somebody has to go. You know, the Holy Spirit says, he's, not only will they not like you, they're going to kill you. They're going to hate you so much that they're going to kill you. Jesus says, I know. I know, but I love them. John chapter 3, 16, we all know this verse very well. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Holy Spirit, God the Father, talking to Jesus, saying, but you don't have to know. You don't have to go. Maybe we could find another way. Jesus says there's no other way. Somebody has to show them how to love. You know, I know that, you're going to give me that mic, sir. I, 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 know that, I, I know that we realize that Jesus came to save us. I know we know that. But I think there's even more in this Christmas story and this Jesus coming. It's not that just, just that Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to show us how to love. It's interesting to me, I was thinking about this the other day. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about um, three things that are really important, faith, hope, and love. How many of you heard, you know, faith, hope, and love, and these things, out of these three things, faith, hope, and love, but love's the, you know, it's the deal. At Christmas, we don't talk about faith, hope, and love. We talk about love, joy, and peace. It's not that joy and peace aren't important, but in all of that, we emphasize and we need to be reminded of the fact that it's actually love that's the key that flows through the whole process. As Jesus decided to come to earth and he made the choice to come to earth, man, I, I'm going to show them how to love. I'm going to love and, and I'm going to be a demonstration of love to them. I love how Paul puts it in Philippians chapter six or Philippians chapter two, verse six, seven. He says, Talking about Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. God chose to love. And we can too. See, here's the thing. If, if God couldn't love us, we wouldn't know how. If Jesus hadn't chosen to come and show us love, we wouldn't have an example. You know, it's, I think it's kind of, you know, Christmas has kind of a, a become a bit of a funny deal. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to, you know, it's not a downer. It's not, it's, you know, we have, uh, Christmas starts, when does, when does, Christmas starts when Costco puts up decorations, right? And, uh, you know, which is what, November 12th? You know, or earlier, you know. And, and you know, we, we used to just, you know, I mean, uh, I, I'm in a, I'm in a uh, school program right now, and most of my student or most of my classmates are from the United States, and so uh, they all talk about their Thanksgiving, and one of them was shocked when I said, you know, I, actually, we don't have Thanksgiving that day. We have it in October. You have your own Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, who would have thought, you know, that a, you know, a separate sovereign country would have something different? You know, anyway, um, they... This whole, the whole thing, but you know, so, so Christmas starts in the United States, it starts the day after Thanksgiving. You know, we've got Black Friday. Come on, don't tell me you didn't get some Black Friday sales going on. I mean, you, some of you are waiting for Black, you finished your shopping Black Friday. 
It was Black Friday. But you know, Black Friday's not enough. We need to add more to this. So now we, we also have, how many of you know what's on Monday? Cyber Monday. There you go, Cyber Monday. We, we just kind of get this whole routine. It seems to have, there's a common theme there, not cyber, but buying. Actually releasing your money. <laughs> this is Christmas. But, you know, of course, we don't want to, everybody doesn't want to get left out of it. Tuesday is Giving Tuesday. Did you not know that? What have I taught you all these years? I mean, did you not know that Tuesday was giving? So, you know, we have Black Friday. There's Thanksgiving, Black Friday. Then you have Cyber Monday, and Tuesday is Giving Tuesday. Of course, it's all nonprofits that decided that, which is fine, which is good. I mean, I, I'm surprised you didn't get any, any, any. I'll have to work on that. I can put a note here. Um, the, but the whole, you know, the idea of Giving Tuesday, well, we're giving, so let's do this one day. You know, we have Sock Sunday today, yeah, which is going to be incredible. We're happy to bless uh, Hope Outreach and be able to help them and uh, women who are on the streets and exploiting want to help out with that. But it's amazing how we have managed to contract to just to compress a life of love and giving into a few weeks. Even to the point where we've now managed to, although you didn't know about it, but we managed to bring the idea of giving down to one day. This is the one day of the year that I give. This is the one season of the year that I tap my phone next to the uh, Salvation Army bucket, kettle, I guess it's called. It's the one day. But You know, here's the thing that really strikes me about Jesus in coming to earth. He came one day, but he didn't only love one day. See, here, here's what could have happened. Jesus could have shown up as, a, as an adult and gotten crucified the next day. He could have. I mean, it would change the whole story. But Jesus lived out a full 30 years of life here on earth demonstrating the purpose of his coming. He didn't just love one day. You know, we've got our Easter, we've got our Christmas, our two days, but he didn't just love on Christmas or just love on Easter. He worked out and showed us a pattern of love. And because God chose to love, we can too. We can choose to love. God chose to love, we can choose to, we can choose to love. Church hasn't done that very well the last couple of years. Just saying. If, you know, if there's anything that brings me pain, it's kind of watching how as church, I'm talking church across the world. I'm talking church in North America. I'm talking church in general. We have not done a very good job of representing Jesus the last couple of years. We've been more concerned about our opinions. We've been more concerned about our discomfort, our irritations, our opposition, 
our so-called freedoms. We forgot to love. Why would Paul say these things, three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love? All right, that's not a rant. It's actually a pain. It's painful to me because when Jesus came, he said, here's, here's how everybody will know that you're my disciples. What's the disciple? That you're a follower of me. This is how they'll know because of your love for each other. We just finished off, some, I know a number of you have been in it, we just finished off this book study throughout our church and on uh, Pastor Phil Pringle's book called Disciple. And he makes a couple of statements in there that really bothered me a lot. He says, you know, when you go online, he said the most... The worst critics, the biggest arguers, are Christians. That's not Jesus. Here's, here's my hope. Here's my prayer at, this year at Christmas, is that we choose to love the whole year like Jesus did the whole life. That means all sorts of things. It means that our opinion's not as important as our love. It means that our level of comfort's not as important as our love. It means a whole lot of stuff. It's not the whole bit of the message, but Jesus loved 24-7. Let me give you just Three verses, and I'm still preaching the same length of time. I'm not going to preach to expand the amount of time given to me, just so you know. All right, so you didn't have to settle in for that. You know, we're still, you know. John 15, verse 13, Jesus said to his disciples, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Most of us would say, I'm willing to lay down my life for Jesus, but I'm not all that willing to lay down my life for my friends. And especially once you get to the extended friend category. <laughs> it's, you know, Jesus, you mustn't have meant friends, you must have meant absolute best friends forever. That's, I, I'm sure that's what you meant because you couldn't have meant a little broader than that because <laughs> you know, that would just be ridiculous for us to actually give up our opinion or give up something that means a lot to us for the sake of loving somebody else that we're not super close to. Hmm. Romans chapter 5, verse 7. Paul describes it slightly differently, he says of this, he says, now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, BFF. And verse eight, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
Man, that love is powerful. Man, I fall so far short of it. I just miss it all the time. Yeah, the message of Christmas, we want to talk about love. Really, we need to figure out how to live that out every day. Think not just this week about how we can love, but the week after that, how loving are we? There's a practice in, uh, it's a St. Ignatian, Ignatius Institute, it's called the Examen, E-X-A-M-E-N. Look it up if you want. But if part of the spiritual discipline, and part of the practice that he encourages, at the end of the day, you would examine, E-X-A-M-E-N, examine your day and look back to see where God was in your day and how God was challenging you in your day. I, I, I happen to believe that that would be a super important practice for us to have because usually what happens is we examine ourselves Sunday morning in church. But then we kind of forgot how we did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday's fresh because the kids were home, but we forget. But what, what kind of a, a powerful practice is it if we just take that time the end of our days, to say, God, can we just take a look back on the day? Was I loving? Hmm. Needs improvement. Do you ever get that on your grade, on your report card? Needs improvement. I used to get that. Social skills, needs improvement. Yeah. Okay. Love skills, needs improvement. But there's a promise. Let me leave you with this. And then we'll pray. There's a promise because here, here's the thing. When we, when we examine our day and we go, you know, God, I didn't do so well here. I didn't, I'd like to do better. Scripture gives us this great promise. It says that mercies or the blessings of the Lord are new every morning. You know, that means it means when I take the time to examine my day and I look back and say, God, did I love like Jesus loved? Did I love like the reason Jesus came here to earth? Did I do this? And when we honestly acknowledge and say, no, I wasn't as good as I really want to be. I didn't demonstrate Jesus to my world. I didn't demonstrate love to others. Thank God, tomorrow is a new day. And I get to start all over. Somebody once said that the sunrise is God's reminder that he thinks the world should carry on. What a wonderful promise that we can step into tomorrow. We can go, hey, I didn't do so great in this conversation. I didn't do so well in this opportunity I had to love. But today's a new day. What I want you to go home with today is this one statement. God chose to love. We can choose to love. God chose to love. We can choose to love. But we have to choose. Well, let me pray for you. Father, this morning, as we uh, come to the end of this message, this, God, what I've shared, God, I believe that you put on my heart, 
Father, I pray that you would speak to us, and by your spirit, God, you just continue to speak to us. Lord, not that there's any condemnation in Christ Jesus, but Father, you do want us to strive to love. You want us to push towards love. You want us to show your love to the world around us. And God, I I just pray for every one of us as we stop and we think about that today, Lord, that we would be we would be compelled, we would be motivated. God, you would, you would push on our spirit, even as we think about some of the stuff in this last week. God, that we, we would be committed and, 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 and pushed in our heart to love more like Jesus. Not just at Christmas time, but 24-7. And God, that my prayer for our church and the churches of Cologne and the churches of Canada is that the world would look at us and they would say, you know, those people love each other. And that's different than the rest of the world. Father, I pray that we would rise as a church into the distinctiveness you've called us to, how we love each other. So, Father, I pray for every one of us we'd be challenged and encouraged and motivated to grow in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.